All right, are you ready to study God's Word this morning? You can get your Bibles out and open it up to Matthew's Gospel. We'll be in that first chapter. I'll also be reading a passage out of Luke's Gospel, chapter 1, as well. This is our third installment in the series that I entitled, Walking in a Wisdom Wonderland, hijacked the song, Walking in a Winter Wonderland, because it spoke of relationships and how relationships were uh, to be forged, and so I just thought I'd use the Christmas story to begin to pull out some concepts and some precepts that would help us forge some better relationships. And uh, week one, I zeroed in on you guys, and you all made it, praise God. Week two, I was able to visit with the ladies a little bit, and uh, we talked about how in our marriage relationship we need men to exercise spiritual leadership and headship. We talked about wives and and what level of, of submission is appropriate and how they're to want to cooperate within their marriage, and so we visited about all those particular topics. But this week, this third week, I want to zero in and talk to all the single people probably most directly. Um, If you're single today, whether you're single by divorce, whether you're widowed, um, whether perhaps you've never been married, maybe you've been abandoned, um, I think that the Lord would very much like to speak some things to you through this time we have this morning. I would, I would really hope that the young people that are here would listen to me very closely as well because what I'm going to share today will most directly affect you because you can be spared a lot of pain and scars and heart wounds if, if you just really believe that pastor, not just pastor, but the Lord wants the best for your life. And, and uh, for those of you that are married and think, well, you've already crossed over this bridge, then I want you to just keep keyed in because I got a feeling I'm going to say some things that are going to help you as well. So I don't believe anybody's going to get away this morning without having something spoken into their life and you don't want to miss it. You know, there is no greater, there is no more important decision probably on earth that you will make. Well, first behind your decision to open up your heart and receive Jesus Christ, there's probably no greater decision behind that one than the one you'll make when you choose to have a relationship with a potential spouse or one that you think you could be married to. I want to just share with you just this one simple phrase, you better make a wise decision. Now the reason I say you better make a wise decision is because that relationship decision will either be one of the greatest, most incredible blessings you will ever have, or it can be the greatest catastrophe you've ever wandered into. And for those of us that, have, that are married and have been married for some time now, all of us, I think, could say marriage is a challenge no matter how good of a decision it was. I believe I've got the best. And I bet if you asked Tracy, she'd say she has the best. But we'd both say there have been some challenging days to be married. So we're not going to get out of challenge But for those of you that are single and believe that God has called you to companionship, you want to make a wise decision. I've entitled the message this morning, I'd Think Twice. I'd Think Twice. 
In Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, just one verse I want to read to you, Matthew 1, 18, it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Familiar passage. Turn over to Luke's Gospel, chapter 1. I'm going to read two verses here, Luke 1, 26. It says, now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. Now, we could probably learn a lot from the Jewish culture of the first century about how relationship was to be forged. Joseph and Mary went through a process of relationship building that gave them a foundation which enabled them to navigate and weather some incredible challenges. I mean, when you begin to think about what they had to initially face in this betrothal period, it is amazing how well they faced the the, the problems really in the curveballs. There was this unexpected pregnancy, albeit a God pregnancy, it was unexpected, They're having to travel because of a census that was going to cause increased taxes. So you're going to have to leave your business and the income that you had in order to pay greater taxes. There were going to be detours along the road. They were going to have difficult traveling circumstances. I mean, sometimes sometimes it's hard to pack my family into the trailblazer and get up the road. Can you imagine donkey travel? And then add on top of all of that, in the mix, we find death threats. And them having to make certain decisions out of death threats. And so so their relationship had some incredible challenges right out of the box. And, And when you think about these things, that's a lot of stress to put on a newly married couple. But Joseph and Mary were successful. Now let me just say that in the 21st century with a whole lot less stress and a whole lot more technology than Joseph and Mary faced, we don't seem to be nearly as successful. The reason is because we do not understand the difference between building a foundation for relationship and having feelings in a relationship. Most couples get married because they have a feeling. And we call that feeling love. Now, we know statistically this isn't something I made up. It's been this way. It does not matter whether whether you are in church or out of the church, whether you believe in God, you don't believe in God. But statistically, we are told that four out of seven first-time marriages, that means over 50% of first-time marriages, will fail. That is a statistical fact. Percentages increase, actually, as divorced people enter into their second, third or even more marriages than that. You would think, at least as I began to ponder that, you would think that experience would help clarify some things. But apparently that's not the case. Because even as people go to their second and third relationships, we're finding statistically, percentage-wise, divorce begins to increase as well. And we also know that everybody that gets married starts their relationship out by saying, I love you. Isn't that true? Everybody gets married having a feeling of love. 
So I have come to this conclusion. I have concluded that either couples are lying when they get married. And they don't really love each other despite the fact they're saying they love each other. So either they're lying or number two, they don't understand the difference between foundation and feeling when it comes to love. Before I marry folks, I always have them come into my office and we do a little premarital counseling. And I'll usually see people any time, uh, any number of times between three and six. It kind of depends on, on what they give me. Most of the time, most of the time uh, when they come in, I realize that they are so starstruck with one another. They're not, they're just doing what they have to do to get to the ceremony. So I understand that anything I do at that moment probably is not going to be absorbed at a very deep level. Basically, I'm trying to forge a relationship with them so when they're six months down the road and they've lost that love and feeling, hopefully they'll have some level of relationship that before they go to the courthouse, maybe they'll come to the house of God. But we'll sit down in that premarital counseling session and one of the first questions that I will ask them is this, I'll say to them, define for me love. It's interesting to watch these two people who have been telling each other sometimes for months and years that they love each other struggle to try to figure out how they're going to define love. So, so oftentimes I hear this, well, mm, you know, I've never really thought about it, uh, and yeah, well, you, you know, and, and I'll say, okay, okay, well then let me put it a little more practical. How do you know that you love him or how do you know that you love her? And the answers are really interesting. Of course, it's usually, I never really thought about it. Sometimes I've heard, well, I have this feeling. It's just, well, you know, pastor, it's just a feeling. Sometimes, I'll hear this. Well, I, I just want to be around them all the time. <laughs> and I think to myself, well, that will wear off. <laughs> That'll wear off. Well, they make me feel really special. That'll wear off too. I'm just, I'm just full. I'm just complete. I'm just happy. And that will wear off too. Listen to me, if love is a feeling, then the songs are true. You can lose that love and feeling. I don't know about you, I grew up under earth, wind, and fire. You remember that one? Everybody thought it was a love song. It really wasn't a love song. It was the one, after the love is gone. After the love is gone. What used to be right is wrong. I mean, I still remember. And you know, it was kind of one of those love songs. But when you listen to the words, they're breaking up. But you know, everybody's kind of in, you know, it's kind of like this romantic song and you don't even listen to the words and the thing's crumbling apart. Well, I believe that Joseph and Mary loved each other. In fact, I believe that there were feelings associated with love. I'm not going to discount the fact that you get feelings when you're in love. But I can tell you that if a feeling was all there was to it, they would have never gotten out of Matthew chapter 1. Come on, think about it. Think, think about your fiancé telling you 
She's pregnant and it's God. Think about it. Think about this whole traveling issue. Think about this uprooting. Think about you just lose your job and your income. You think about all the stresses that are on them. I can assure you that Joseph had to have thought twice about all of this. I mean, if he's just a human being, I, he's a righteous man. I, I know he's righteous and I know he made the right decisions. But you have to think at some point, there in his brain somewhere, he would have had to have thought twice about all of this. He had to have had some feelings about what he was facing. And yet Joseph loved and did what was right because there was a foundation in this relationship and not just a feeling. Now, let me just share with you the process that they used in the first century. Because there was a really uh, intentional process of forging a relationship. Marriage, marriage was a process to the Jews. It was an event. You know, for most of us in America in the 21st century, marriage is a ceremony. And afterwards, you know, we get the dress, we get the, the, the pretty flowers. This is what girls dream about. They dream about the ceremony and all that goes around with it. And again, there's nothing wrong with that, but you got to understand their view was not the ceremony. It was the process of forging a relationship. And Joseph and Mary went through what most Jewish couples did. It was a lengthy three-step process to get married. Now you may ask the question, why would it have been a lengthy three-step process? It's because listen now, God hates divorce. Now, I want you to hear this carefully. It doesn't say that God hates divorced people. See, this is really, really important. God doesn't hate you. If you've been through a divorce, God doesn't hate you. God loves you. God loves divorced people, but he hates divorce. Yes, it happens. Sometimes there's biblical ground, sometimes there's not. I wish I could get my fingers into a relationship in order to help people navigate challenging times. Because there is forgiveness at the end. But God hates divorce. And the reason he hates divorce is because he hates what it does to your heart. He hates what it does to the kids. He hates what it does to your economic situation. He Anybody that's been through a divorce, can I just share this with you? Anybody that's gone through one, I, I don't know of anybody that came through one and said, Whoa, that was great! It hurts. Even if you have reason, it hurts. God doesn't want hurt in your life. And he hates it. But for anyone that has experienced it, you know firsthand this is gut-wrenching. I mean, there may be somewhere someone who thinks there's an amicable divorce, but I'm just saying the ones that I have seen, the pain is incredible. So the Jews, knowing this, developed a process. It was a three-step process to avoid this kind of pain. The first step was what was called the engagement. Now, don't confuse the Jewish engagement with what we do here in America. Sometimes the marriage was arranged by the parents or a professional matchmaker. Even when the two people, the man, the woman, actually the boy and the girl, were just children. Sometimes these little kids never saw one another as it was arranged. And they were actually very, very young. They would be engaged. And the parents or a third party would strike the deal. Now, that sounds crazy to us. 
You know why it sounds crazy? It's because looks are everything. I mean, I mean, if I'm arranged in this marriage, and maybe I'm five, six years old, how do I? What if she grows into a bow wow? What if what if he turns into a geek? You see, you see, we 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 don't want to roll the dice. We don't want to take that chance. For us, for us, a major part of love is based on the package. We want to. We want to look at the parts. We, we want to make sure that the package is put together right. Come on now. Come on. Let's just be on. Y'all looking at me like, oh, I'm, I'm righteous. No, you're not. You want a hottie. That's what you want. Now, I've been married 27 years. And can I just say this? My wife was a hottie and I was a hottie. But the hottie gets cool as the years... Go. Things move. Shift. Let go. So, so hear me. So, so if love, that feeling was based on that, now you can understand how so many people just fall out of love. Well, you know, I loved him, but we just... We just grew apart and we just fell out of love. And what happens is, is that everybody in our culture currently wants to trade in for an updated model. That's what they want to do because that's what they base their love on. It's what they, what they sense and see. And that's why, and I'm not saying, I've said this before, I, I'm not against, I'm not against people having plastic surgery, but if you think plastic surgery is going to fix love, boy, you are sadly mistaken and you will be disappointed. See, that was inconceivable for a Jew. Marriage, marriage was too serious to be left to the capricious nature of feelings. I know you're saying, I just can't believe it. Don't knock their system. We aren't doing all that well with our system. So engagement. The second step then was betrothal. You were engaged and then you were betrothed. Now, this is when the engagement that could possibly have been arranged was ratified. Once it was ratified in a betrothal, it was binding. The betrothal lasted one year. During this betrothal period, you would be known as man and wife. Now, hear this. There would be all the responsibilities of marriage, all the responsibilities of being husband and wife, but get this, this will blow your mind. No sex. Can you believe that? Engagement and betrothal, you had to do everything that was normal in a marriage, but yet there could be no sexual intimacy that took place. In fact, if you had sex during a betrothal period, it would be considered still fornication. Now, again, in America, we think we should drive before we buy. We think that unless we know that we're sexually compatible... Why would we even dream of getting married? I mean, I don't, I don't want to get just, just, you know, 
weird or into an area I don't need to be in. But when, 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 when you hear someone saying, well, you know, we need to know if we're sexually compatible unless we get married and then we find out we aren't. I mean, I want to just say, just look at the person. Look at the guy. I guess the guys probably would tend to say that. I'd look at him and say, well, why? You weird? I mean, it's just, it's just like something or another. You know, we got, the, the whole foundation is, is messed up. I mean, so-called Christians think this, this is the way to do it. I'm going to let you in on what apparently is a well-kept secret. Sex without a marriage license is sin. Now, if you never heard that anyplace else, I'm glad I was the one to introduce that to you. Sex is not a constitutional right. It did not say in the Declaration of Independence that you had the right, you know, for the pursuit of what? Life, liberty, and the pursuit of sex. It doesn't say that. Are you uncomfortable? I want you to be a little uncomfortable because I'm uncomfortable with the way the culture does this. See, we come to church and we go, I can't believe he's saying that. Why? We watch it on television. We get it at grocery stores. We pay $10 tickets to watch it up on the big screen. And then you don't feel good about it when pastor begins to address it. I've had people come up to me and they say, I can't believe you said that. Well, I can't believe that people live this way. It is not drive before you buy. It should be show me the license before I give you the keys. You don't get to grab a hold of this wheel until I see the license. Ladies, you hold a valuable and wonderful thing for a man. Get it in writing. I'm telling you, get it in writing before you give it away. Why should he buy what he drives for free? Oh, well, that's just a betrothal. Then, praise God, you get to the marriage. Marriage. This was the moment when the couple was bestowed all rights and privileges of the relationship. The whole process from engagement, betrothal to marriage was used to underscore that marriage is more than a feeling. And the reason Joseph did not think twice about marrying Mary was because they had laid this foundation. Now, I started to ask myself, well, okay, that's how they did it in Jewish culture in the first century. Is there a process we can use in the 21st century? There ought to be a way that whether you be man or woman, you can evaluate the feelings you might have to see if this is the real deal. Don't you think there ought to be a way to evaluate if this is the real deal? Because I understand the feelings saying, go for it. It, you've got the feeling. But the question is, how do you trust or evaluate the feeling? We need to challenge the statistics of how over 50% of marriages fall apart. We need to challenge this thing and say there must be a better way to forge relationships so these things can last. Joseph didn't have to think twice. Now, I'm going to share with you, I, and, and if you're writing these down and, and don't panic when I say there's 20 things I'm going to share with you. Do not panic. I know people are going, oh my God, we're going to be here till the middle of the afternoon. Well, I'm going to move through this rather rapidly. And as I go through this, this I guess, list, 
I don't know that any one of these things, and I want you to listen to me. You know, there's some things I'm going to share that are absolute non-negotiables. But there's some other things on the list that I'm going to share with you that, that you know what, they, they may not be deal killers in forging a relationship. But can I just share, because I put it in this format, that if one of these are not in order, then if I were you, I might think twice. Can I, can I, I've said this to people who've come and got premarital counseling from me. If I can talk you out of your relationship, then there's something wrong. There's something wrong. If I can throw questions out there that you're uncomfortable with, that you don't want to field or that you want to dodge because you're afraid it'll make this thing fall apart, then you know what? It probably needs to fall apart. See, we've got to get back to covenant. We do not understand covenant. And I know if you're single here this morning, and I know whether it be man or woman, I know that most people are built for companionship. I understand this. Most people have not been given the gift of singleness. Some have to approach life in singleness, and some may be called to singleness. But for a lot of people, we're called to companionship. We would rather have a companion. And I believe God's will is for most people, now there will be those exceptions, but for most people, he has no problem with companionship. But the key is when you forge the relationship, you have to be sure you're, you're building it on the right stuff. And so I'm going to give you this list. The first few I may take a little more time on, but I will assure you I will get through this quickly. Be sure you get your pen out because you're going to have to write fast, all right, if you want to keep these in front of your eyes. I would think twice. I would think twice if I were you, number one, if they were not on the same page spiritually. Now, hear me when I say this. I'm not just talking about believer, unbeliever. You know, the Bible says that we're not to be unequally yoked. So if if you're pondering marriage and you're talking about you're a believer and they're an unbeliever, can I just share with you, 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 you need to really think twice. And I'm not also talking about just, well, I'm Christian and they're Buddhist. I, I can't mention the place. I met a guy the other day, you know. He's, he's decided he's a Christian Buddhist. I mean, what does that mean? I, I don't know what that means. I, that's, well, what it means is you're confused. I'm not just talking about, you know, Catholic and Protestant. Although that would be challenging. But you need to start asking yourself, if I'm going to yoke up with someone and, and, and they're Christian, exactly what kind of Christian are they? You see, the concept of unequally yoked doesn't mean that, you know, just because they're the type that have just, you know, they do the lowest common denominator, the, the minimum daily adult requirement of spirituality. And, 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 and that's okay because you got a feeling. Let me tell you, you need to find out where they're at and are you guys on the same page with regards to the Holy Spirit? Are you on the same place with regards to how the, how God moves in the earth today or, or the commitments or, or your value systems, or, or how the Word of God fits into your relationship. We call it in our household, no missionary marrying. I've heard people say, well, I'm going to marry them and bring them along. You're a fool. I have never seen anyone, after the I do's were said, step up. I've seen a lot of people drug back. We've told our children, and, and, and we're unashamed of this. I've looked at my children, and I've told them, you know, when it comes time to marry someone, you get yourself a spirit-filled, and this is how we say it in our house, you get yourself a spirit-filled, Pentecostal, tongue-talking, devil-chasing, cross-honoring spouse. 
And I know people say, I can't believe you say that to your kids. I can't believe you wouldn't. Doesn't hurt you to at least say it. They may go and do what they do. But at least they'll have heard it. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Baird. I appreciate that. Folks, if I, if I have to do all my own amens, we will be here a long time. All right. So I gotta move on. I could, boy, these, some of these are, I got downloaded mega information. All right. If they're not on the same page spiritually. Number two, I would think twice if I were you, if they did not have a local church they attend. The Bible says that the tree that is planted will flourish. If they're not planted somewhere, somewhere, then, 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 then they're not flourishing. They're spiritual tumbleweed. This is all about stability. Spiritual stability. Are they connected? Do people really know them? I mean, I've heard people, oh, I'm a part of the body of Christ at large. Well, what does that mean? It means you don't get up on Sunday and go to church. That's what that means. They don't have a local church. I just think twice. I'm not saying, I'm not saying throw them out. I'm not saying, I just said you need to think twice. Number three, I'd think twice if I were you, if they had no one they considered a spiritual mentor. Are they under authority anywhere? Ladies, if you're going to put yourself under your husband's authority, I would think it would make a difference to find out if they were under authority. Why would you put yourself under authority to someone who doesn't want to be under authority? Who inputs them? Who gives them guidance? Are they wise in their own eyes? Do they have the aggregate knowledge of the universe residing in them and you just stumbled upon them and you get to marry them? Are they, are they being mentored by anyone? They need to have a pastor. If, I'll just say this. They need to have impressed a pastor. That's a good one to get. Same with the guys. Find a spiritual woman, guys. Just because, you know, just because it has a skirt on and looks good don't mean it's the thing to do. That, this, this stuff wears off. Just ask Tiger. Number four, I'd think twice if I were you if they enjoy the atmosphere of sin or rebellion. If they enjoy the bar scene, then I will assure you, you'll be heartbroken one day. Well, you know, that's where we met, and that's just kind of where we, well, you're going to, you know what, you may have met there, but you don't want them going there all the time. Because just as they met you there, they'll meet other people there. It's amazing how the other woman, once she becomes the woman, doesn't want any more women in their man's life. And suddenly when she gets hit with the other other woman... It's like she's offended. Well, I don't know what to say to that. If, if you know someone enjoys the atmosphere of sin or rebellion, you, you need to really consider this and think this twice. If their best friend is living with somebody or partying around with other people, how can they, how can they be friends with people who sneer at God when you have a heart after God? I'm just helping you here. I'm not trying to hurt you. just trying to help you. Number five, I'd think twice if I were you, if they believed others before they would believe you. That's about loyalty. Don't go into covenant with a disloyal person. I mean, we've just, I mean, we've had to forge some things through the year, but I'll tell you right now, I'll, I'll, believe, I'll believe Tracy over anybody in this room. 
That's how it ought to be. She should believe me before she believes anyone else. If you have somebody who, who always is believing other people before they believe you, then e- either you've got a really poor track record or they've got a real problem with trust. Number six, I would think twice if their parents have contempt for you or your assignment. You know, the bloodline is a powerful thing. More powerful than you can imagine. You see, if you're called to do something and the parents of the person that you think you're to marry diminish it, I'm going to assure you, if that's not fixed, there's going to be strife. I mean, if they diminish what you do in in your job or your career or your assignment, if you just simply say, well, love will carry us through, well, it might, or there might come a moment where that fractures. And before you say, I do, you have opportunity to begin to deal with some of these things. Bloodline is powerful. Powerful. I think twice if I were you, number seven, if they refuse to work or find a job. I want to tell you this, people don't believe it when I say it, but the Bible says it's a sin not to work. Even women who say that they are stay-at-home moms, and you know what, we value stay-at-home moms, because can I just say this, stay-at-home moms work too. Sure they do. Sure they do. I I wouldn't trade. When my children were growing up, I wouldn't have traded her job for mine. I was more than happy to go to work. Because she worked harder at home than I did probably going off to the office. And can I just say, just to help you out, guys, you know what? When you come back, and despite her being a stay-at-home mom, for you to be able to say, I've worked all day, I don't want to deal with anything, you're just being lame. She's worked too. And if women are working in the marketplace, then it's all the more important to be able to to share in these sorts of things. But can I just share this with you? That Boaz saw Ruth. Many people don't realize this. Boaz saw Ruth when she was working. And so Ruth married Boaz. Unfortunately, people, Ruths are marrying bozos instead of Boazes. You want a Boaz, not a bozo. They're losing their job all the time or they can't seem to keep a job or anything like that. I just tell you, you might want to think twice. You know, when someone keeps losing a job, after a while you can't keep saying it's their fault, it's their fault, it's their fault. There comes a moment when the only stable factor in that scenario is you. Number eight, I think twice if they have no dreams or are unmotivated. I, I, maybe you want to live life in a holding pattern, but I want to be hooked up with someone that's motivated to go forward. I know a gentleman in Spartanburg. In fact, he eventually lost his marriage, but he said he would go to work, and, and he wouldn't go to work. He'd just go to the theater and watch movies all day long, every day. Wife didn't find out until really a couple of years. She found out. They did the counseling thing, went all through this. But he just, the, the, and the bottom line was he was lazy. There was no dreams. He was unmotivated. His greatest motivation was to catch the new flick. Come on, can they get a job? Can they get promoted? Can they get raises? If they have no dreams, no aspirations, sure there are going to be sacrifices. Sure there will be challenging times. Sure there will be tough moments. But if there's not something in them that wants to aspire to something greater, you may want to think twice. Number nine, you may want to think twice if they are uncomfortable in the presence of God. Now, here at Legacy, we we tend to be a little edgy because that's just who I am. 
But our purpose here is to press into the presence of God. I want a sense of the presence of God. I want the Holy Spirit to show up. I don't mind that conviction comes into the house. The only way people get saved is when the Spirit of God convicts them of unrighteousness. That's not a bad thing. That's a needful thing in order to lead us to repentance. I don't mind it when we hear the sounds of intercession and the sounds of of, of repentance. I don't mind it. Like right now, people are saying amen and we clap and, and, and it's all about the presence of God. And if they aren't comfortable with that, then if you're ready to go back to the ice age, just be sure you know what you're heading back to. Are they comfortable in the presence of God? Number 10, I'd think twice if I were you if they don't exhibit any spiritual hunger. They're not pursuing God now. Don't expect a marriage license to change that. I'm just, I'm, I'm bursting bubbles. Your love will not compel them to pursue God. I've heard people say, oh, I'll bring them along, pastor. I'll bring them along. Once we're married, we'll just, I'll bring them along. No, you won't. I've seen more people go back than forward. If they aren't hungry for God now, once everything's sewed up, the deal's done, everything you think, you, what, You might think twice. You might think twice, number 11, if they make major decisions without your advice or input. I know of a couple whose husband sold their house without ever discussing it with her. I don't know about you, but that wouldn't fly in my household. If it flies in your household, you're dysfunctional. I can't imagine making a decision without any advice or input, especially to the one who is a vested interest in all of that. I I mean, if they're not going to talk to you about when they change jobs or when they purchase a car, you can begin to discern these things even even in an engagement process. You can begin to know these things. I think twice if I were you, number 12, if people of excellence do not want to be around them. The people that hangs around your potential spouse will tell you a lot about them. You know, there's a, there's an old, uh, saying that, uh, is not scripture, should have been, but it, it's not, but it has some truth to it. You know, the one, birds of a feather. Yeah. Well, well, you know, that just wasn't pulled out of some thin air. If people of excellence don't want to be around them, it says something, doesn't it? Who their friends are, who they're comfortable with. Who they want to interact with will speak volumes to you about what's really going on inside of them. Now, listen to me. We love everybody. I I love everybody in the room. We love people. We, we, We reach out to people. We love dysfunctional people. We love everyone. But that doesn't mean everyone is a candidate to be married to. Oh, I could just... I could just ride... I'd think twice if I were you, 13, if they give you counsel that is contrary to the word of God. What's your final authority in your marriage going to be? Your opinion? That's pretty capricious. You see, a relationship has to be built on a foundation, and that foundation is the word of God. So you need to find out up front, are are they going to put this relationship on the word of God, which has been forever 
it says of itself, established in the heavens and has endured thousands of years and civilizations has come and gone, but this has endured forever. So you need to be sure that the counsel that they give and the input you give is according to the word of God. And again, I'm just telling you, People have come to me, and I'll use this again. I touched on it last week. But for instance, tithing. You need to ask them about what they think about things like this. Because if they say, I don't think I have to do that, then you got to understand you're linking up with a curse. But I love them. Well, okay. Go with the feeling. But you'll see me in six months to a year. Because you're linking with something that... That in covenant comes to you as well. I have had people sit in my office and tell me in premarital counseling they're about ready to get married to someone. They are a fairly established Christian, but they've got someone they're ready to get married to. And I'm listening to this person say things like, oh, I believe that that God, can, you can get to God through all religions. I believe, I believe that I can be a part of everything. And it's just this, you know, mystical hug a tree, get the crystal on my head. And, and, and I'm sitting here behind this desk going, eh wrong answer are you really sure you're going to covenant with this this is contrary to what the word says number 14 i think twice if they do not motivate you to a higher level of excellence what i mean is do they drag you down do they pull you to mediocrity when you're around them do you step back to average or do they motivate you to be your best Do they motivate you to be spiritually on your toes? Are you going forward in this relationship or are you going backward? Am I loving God more or am I loving him less? Number 15. I'd think twice if I were you, if you cannot trust them when you're absent. If they're only on target when you're around, that's a prescription for a disaster. You know, I, I can, I can, I can tell you, in fact, no, I, well, I'll hold on on this one because I'll tell it at the end. You can't, if you can't trust them when, when you're absent, then folks, there's going to be a problem there. Number 16, I think twice if I were you, if they are cheap, disrespectful of others or ungrateful, if they can't honor and esteem others, especially authority, do you think that they would esteem you? Are they on time? Do they tip well? You see, really? You would base a relationship on that? Sure. If they're cheap with a waitress, they'll be cheap with you. Do they treat people in the service industry well? Do they say thank you? Are they always late to things, important things? Can you live with that? Because it will be multiplied in your relationships. Frugal is okay. I think frugal is probably a good trait. Cheap is terrible. Okay? So if they're tacky, cheap, disrespectful, you may want to think twice. You may want to think twice, number 17, if they flirt with the opposite sex. Do they have boundaries established with the opposite gender? I know I've heard people through the years say, oh, that's just their personality. No, it's not. They're defrauding. They're not just outgoing. They're defrauding another person. Defrauding. Defrauding means you're soliciting an emotion unrighteously that you can't fulfill 
That's what flirting is. Flirting is soliciting something from another person unrighteously that you, well, if you do fulfill it, it's unrighteous, but you have no business soliciting it from them. So if they're a big flirt, then you may want to think twice if I were you. Number 18, if they don't have an interest in what you're interested in. Do they take an interest in your job, in your hobbies, in your likes, in your dislikes? Are they interested in your life? Sure, you should be interested in their life as well. No doubt about it. It's a two-way street. But if it's all about them, if they're the center of their own universe, if everything's revolving around them, you may want to think twice. You may want to think twice if they ignore counsel from wise and experienced people. If you know that they don't pay attention to people who may actually know a little bit more and have a little bit more experience, then can I just share with you, you're going to be going around the mountain with them. You know the theme song of those that go around the mountain. She'll be coming around the mountain when she comes or he comes. That's your theme song. Get ready. Will they listen to others? Does it have to be their way? Take them. Take them. In fact, I encourage single people here. Take potential spouses. Bring them to pastor. I'll be happy to visit with them. And I'll smile and love them. I promise. I I will be kind. I know people think they if I go see pastor, he'll just hammer me. I'm not going to hammer him. I can smile and ask questions. Come on. Why not? Why not just see? Don't you think it'd be interesting to see? Let them have a shot. If If I can talk them out of it or scare them off, maybe I just did you a favor. I helped your heart. I understand not everybody has a dad. You know, that's why dads and moms are in usually traditional families. And I know we get married in, in, in our younger years, usually. And, and when they come, that's supposed to be handled within the household. But I know because of our culture, people have already been through divorces. They're widowed. They're other things. You know what? If you find someone who says they're a Christian, bring them to me. I'll figure it out. Why not? It just protects you from a broken heart. Then finally, I'd think twice if I were you if they show little remorse over their mistakes and sins. If they can't say I'm sorry now, I will assure you that won't change after the marriage license. There's no remorse that they've broken the heart of God in something. You know, that's a part of repentance. Repentance isn't so much I've hurt I've hurt someone else or I've hurt you. The the biggest part of repentance is at what point do we say, I have grieved God? We don't grieve. We don't feel like we grieve God anymore. When when we're found out or something happens and things fall apart, we're sad. And and again, I'm I'm not just punching on Tiger. But Tiger's sad not because he stepped out and said, I wanted to get my family right. It's because the slow drip of prostitutes just keep coming. And now he's sad because his life is falling apart and they're going to take away his gazillion dollar endorsements. And yet we'll blog on there, just leave Tiger alone. Well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, a gazillion dollars and the influence you have. And let me tell you, do you know how many kids are running around on football fields with little Nike swishies on? 
Do you know how many people are going to golf courses and spending their money because they watch Tiger Woods on the golf course? And now, now he doesn't want to be a role model. They didn't care when they're getting everybody to spend their bucks to do what Tiger does. But now they look at us and say, well, don't hold him up as a, as a, as a, as a role model. Let me tell you something. To whom much is given, much is required. To whom much is given, much is required. And I want, listen to me, I hope his relationship makes it. I hope he gets his act together. I hope he forges his relationship back again. And let me just tell you, I heard this. I heard Charles Barkley went to go help him. Sweet Jesus. Tiger doesn't need Charles. He needs Jesus. You got to get a heart change. Maybe his wife needs to go with him from this time forward to every PGA tournament. But it's not, a, it's not just about his wife accompanying him to PGA. Jesus needs to accompany him. There needs to be a heart change. I'm not being tough. I'm not being hard. I, 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 I think Tiger has incredible ability yet to pull out of this and influence. But I don't want him influencing my family unless he gets his heart right. See, So... Hear what I'm saying. You could be that sweet blonde lady, and I don't know all about her life, but she could have married into a gazillion dollars. She is in, she, she was living in multi-million dollar mansions. They can buy houses anywhere. Of course, she had to buy, you know, get a prenup to it, obviously, but, but think about it for just a second. She had it all, and it still collapsed because who she covenanted with wasn't worth a hoot. He was a rich scalawag. I've never used that word before. I don't even know what it means. I, I might have just cussed from the pulpit for all I know. Of course, the sad part is more people would be concerned with I just said something I shouldn't have said than the fact that our whole culture is collapsing. All right. Listen. This this happened to, to, to Trace and to myself. Listen, I'm just going to tell you, in, in our early years, you know, we went to college. We met each other on a college campus. There were opportunities for both of us to marry other people. I can tell you one particular instance that uh, that I was engaged literally had to break off an engagement the girl looked at me and said i don't know that i can be a pastor's wife i don't know that that's what i want to do i don't know if that, that, that that's in the mix for me and and i and, and really it was are you sure you're going to do this if you want to want to be with me listen listen there comes a moment you have to ask yourself do i want the will of god or do i just want companionship do I trust God that he will bring me the right one? Or am I going to just negotiate out somehow this to somehow see how it all works later? I, I don't know how it shook for her. But for me, I might not have had a lot of smarts, but I had enough smarts to know we can't go forward 
because I know the will of God. And if we're not on the same page, it doesn't make you evil. Doesn't make you even less of a Christian. I, I not, I'm not calling into question your spirituality. But this is what God's asked me to do. And right now, it ain't fitting. And so you know what? We'll just bless each other and wish each other well, but I'm going another direction. Now, did that hurt? Sure it does. You've invested energy. You've invested your heart. You've invested all kinds of emotion into the thing. But can I just share this with you? If it weren't for the fact, I can tell you right now, if it were not for the fact that not only do we know as a couple that we're called, not only do we know that, that we were called to find one another, I can't imagine how people navigate the challenges of life without making that part solid. Now, for those of you that are married, that are shaky, you made covenant, now you've got to work on it. That doesn't mean you get to spring out of it and suddenly get to try again. You need to work on it. But those of you that are not in a covenant right now, I'm just sharing with you, make a good, wise choice. See, Joseph and Mary had a foundation that they were able to navigate through probably the most challenging things that could have ever been thrown at a couple. Our culture will throw at you some of the most challenging things you've ever imagined. And that feeling may not always be there. Honey, I know you'd say this as well. There are, more, there are mornings you wake up and you don't feel in love. In fact, I know she's probably looked over at me. Probably taking a big, deep breath. And under her breath, bless her heart, she said, help me love him, Lord. Help me love him. I'm quite sure that's been the case. Listen, but it's not about that feeling. It's about that foundation. I don't want to say that. the feeling. The, while the feeling can be great, the fruit is better. You know what the fruit of, 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 of watching your kids grow up together, the fruit of knowing when your grandkids come, that, that it's, just, it's just, it's solid. There's a fruit to that that transcends any feeling. In, in fact, there's the feeling that comes with it that says, you know what, I, I, I wouldn't, honey, I wouldn't relive those first few years, but I'm glad we lived them out together. I don't know, I, there was a couple times, I know it was tentative, and you wanted to trade me in, and you probably had every right, but I'm glad you stuck it out. Because now, now we have the fruit of our relationship. I can't imagine life now without her. And I would hope she'd say the same to me. She couldn't imagine life without me. Now listen, listen. Some of you said, but I'm, I'm getting older. No, you're not. You're getting better. You see, you see, if you fall into the I'm getting older trap, then you've fallen into I, I, I'm not going to look. Listen, if, if you find a guy and all it's about is how you look, I'd think twice. I, I understand. I Believe me, I get it out there. I get it. I'm just telling you, guys, ladies, I'm telling all of you, be wise. Because the greatest joy you'll ever have is when you found and God's put you together with the right one and you can stand and pastor will be there. And with a big old smile on my face, say what God has joined together, 
Let no man put asunder. Amen. Stand with me, will you please? Here's what I'm going to do in these last moments. I want to pray right now. If, if, you, if you're open to this, if you, if you aren't, you don't have to do this. All right? So this is just those who are open to this. But I want, to, I want to pray for the single people this morning. And I just want to pray that God will give you that, that tenacity and resiliency and patience and discernment. That God brings you not just anyone, but he brings you the right one. I don't care whether you're a man or you're a female. I don't, I don't care. I, I want you to gather down. If you, I want to pray for you this morning. God has called most of you to companionship. Some of you he may have called to singleship. That's not me to call you into that. But we need to break fear off some of you right now. Some of you are afraid it'll never happen. And you know what? We just, we just need to get your peace back. Have you, ever been, have you ever been with a salesman, especially a car salesman, and, 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 and they're pressing? Have you ever been with someone that's pressing for a sale? It's because they're afraid they're not going to pay their bills. They're afraid they're not going to meet the need. They're afraid that they aren't going to meet their goals. And you can, you can tell a salesman when he's really pressing is because there's a fear. Listen to me. When you have fear in you, whether you realize it or not, there's a vibe that comes out that feels like there's pressing. If you'd get your peace in God, if you just get your peace in God and just say, Lord, I believe you've called me to companionship. I believe you've got somebody for me. I, see, here's where it all boils down to. Do you trust him? Do you really trust him to bring someone to you? Now, again, if, if, if he calls you to singleness, that's, Paul said that's even a greater thing. I realize we don't think that way because we've got all these feelings rushing around. Don't fear that you're the one that's called to singleship, all right? Don't, don't fear, all right? Because God's called most of us to companionship, all right? But I'm going to pray for you right now, amen? Congregation, could you extend your hands as well? We want, we want to cover all of our singles. We, we don't want them to fail at life. We don't want them to stumble or be ensnared or to make poor decisions. We want them. We want them to have life in that more abundantly. We want them to enjoy life. And Lord, I, be, I, Lord, I believe in the name of Jesus. I believe this morning, Lord, that you have called perhaps all of these people. I know, I know most of these folks, you've called them to companionship. You've called them to walk with someone in agreement through the lifespan that you will give to them. And Lord, I'm praying right now, number one, not just for any man or any woman, but I'm praying for God's man and God's woman. I pray right now, Lord, that they won't look for just a, a, a breathing body, but they'll look for someone who's living and breathing and moving in you in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that the things we've just sowed this morning... Lord, would begin to just take root inside of them. And that, Lord, I break panic. Panic be broken in the name of Jesus. Fear be broken. Anxiety be broken in the name of Jesus. That in the fullness of time, God will do what He says He will do. Lord, put on their hearts an intercession to believe, Lord, let them begin to believe right now and speak those things, even in the silent place, the secret closet, to begin to speak those things out to you, to call those things that be not as though they were, 
Start calling forth a man of God. Don't just call forth a set of jeans, you know. Don't just call forth a skirt. Call forth a, a woman of God or a man of God in the name of Jesus. Call them forth. Ask God to direct your path across godly, godly steps with someone else. Start asking. Don't wait. Don't be a fatalist. Begin to be proactive and ask. Lord, I pray right now that you would grant the peace that transcends our understanding. Lord, that you would begin to settle peace into all the singles that have gathered here. Lord, I I just pray that you would give eyes to some gentlemen and eyes to some ladies, Lord, that are yet out there that would look upon these that have gathered and they would see more than the shell. That they would see more than the package. Lord, I have the distinct honor to be able to interact with all of these people. And I can tell you that, that these people are quality people. They would make quality husbands and quality wives. Lord, I thank you for that. And they are, they are just secret, they are secret gifts to people who are out there that are hungry for a godly companion as well. Thank you, Lord, for doing that. We trust you. Can you just say that to the Lord this morning? Can you just say, I trust you, Lord? I trust you in this area. Come on. He can be trusted. Sure he can. He can be, just like he paid your bills last week, he can be trusted for this as well. Yes, he can. Yes, he can. And Lord, I just pray a great, a great peace would now just be released over this body. Lord, help us even in this area not to yield to the world's ways, but help us to believe in God's ways. So when the I do's are said, nobody's thinking twice. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Everybody that's gathered here, I just want you to say, I receive God's peace. I I, I just loose myself from anxiety. (laughs) I, I break fear off my life. God can be trusted to work in my life with regards to companionship. I'm trusting him. In Jesus' name. Amen. So be it. Amen. Yeah. Amen. 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 Isn't God good? Isn't God good? All right. Now, just, you know. Watch and see what God will do. He will do it. You got to get your anticipator up now. Your expector. God will send you the good one. Amen. All right, folks. I'm going to cut you loose. God bless you. I hope you're at connect groups or Christmas parties or you're at midweek service. We're going to see you Wednesday night. It's going to be a great week. But love each other. Hug some necks and shake some hands. And God bless you. You are released. Psalms it says only ask and I'll give the nations to you as your inheritance.